You're listening to the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. No nonsense, just a crazy mix of life, business, the funny, and of course we're going to talk about your money. But just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What could go wrong? Welcome to another episode of the Haney Company Financial Guy Show with one of my dear friends, Pamela Nieto. Thank you for joining us today. Been looking forward to this for a while now. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting to do this with you. Yes, it's a long time coming. And uh, also on a topic that I have been long wanting to talk about. So uh, I'm thrilled for us to be able to dive into it together. But before we get into anything crazy or, or harebrained or super complicated, we have to go through the most critical and probably the hardest things that we'll ever talk about upfront, right? So we need to get to know you. And I want to start with critical life-altering questions such as, if you're going to start a band, what would your band name be? I really had to think this one through because the musician in my family is my brother. He's a singer. Um, so, but of course, I my brand is all about flamingos and it's all about flamingo language. So I have to say the Flamigas seven because also seven is my favorite number. I love it. That is a lot more put together and thoughtful than I think most other people would have for that answer. That's really, really good. Yeah. And and I, I bounce all over the place when I try to think about that myself. So, so good job. I like that. I know you're already a superhero in many respects, but if you could be like a Marvel superhero or whatever, what superpower, what one superpower would you want to have? Well, so, so this is the thing. I'm not really into superheroes. So I also had to think this one through. The one in my family who was into superhero, it's my four-year-old. He's all about superheroes right now. Um, I actually had to do a Google search. <laughs> He's like, who can I even relate to in like the female superhero world? And I couldn't find anyone. So I was like, how about a Disney character? And uh, the one that I love right now, and obviously because she is Colombian, is Maribel from Encanto. <laughs> Yes. And, uh, you know, she's Colombian. She is curious enough, right? Because I don't feel like I'm like super curious, but I'm curious enough. She is solution driven and she loves her family. And I feel that I can relate to that. I think that that's awesome. Yeah, it beats me just wanting to fly. So that was a lot more thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have loved to fly too. I know, right? <laughs> One of these days. All right. What food will you not eat under any circumstances? So I was also thinking about this one because like if you would have asked me this question three weeks ago, I would have said insects. And but I ended up going, a friend of us invited us to this local Mexican restaurant to eat ants and grasshoppers. So I tried those. I'm not really into it, but I tried it. So I think right now, I mean, I don't think I'll, I'll like eat those again. Um, but I think that right now I just wouldn't eat any rodents. That's fair. I don't know if I ever, I don't know if in China, they, they, they have like the rodent. I know Asia, like they eat weird animals. Um, and I, I'm not into those. No, I, I think that that's a good category. I don't think people have brought that up before. So that's good. I agree with that. <laughs> it, it's still going to be insects for me. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not doing it. So you are. Well, I might surprise you. I'll take you with me to the local Mexican restaurant and at least you can give them a try. I, I, I actually brought back a couple of my friends and I didn't tell them what you were eating. Oh no. 
and they just ate the whole thing. And afterwards, I was like, yeah, you just ate a grasshopper. They were like, what? I can't believe you did this to me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm, 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 yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it, it just strikes me. It's just so gross. But anyway, all right. Besides this podcast, of course, what other podcast do you like to listen to that you would recommend to other people? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's really hard to choose one because I love podcasts. Like I listen to podcasts every day. Um, and obviously, besides this one, uh, my top three are um, The Future with Chris Doe, um, Brene Brown, everything that she does, I just love, um, and Marketing Made Simple from StoryBrand. Um, those are like my three go-to people um, because, you know, like I feel like The Future with Chris Doe, I don't know if you've ever uh, listened to him. But he is all about like business and marketing. Like he covers a range of different topics and he's so easy to listen and understand and like put into action. Um, Brene Brown just like fills my life, you know, <laughs> and like my spiritual, my spiritual, my, 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 my awareness as a person. I mean, everything that she does, I just love. And Marketing Made Simple, we are like huge fans of Donald Miller's story brand. Um, and we use it through, um, our, our like at Captiva all the time. So we listen to that a lot. No, this, that's, that's great. And, uh, outside of Brene Brown, the other two were our first time recommendations. So it's a growing list and, uh, they, they all sound fantastic. That's, that's the, that's the challenge. There are so many good, good ones out there. It's kind of like, you know, not, not enough time in any days. But, I mean, my, my list could have kept going, so it was hard to choose those three. No, that's good. Yeah, I, I I think my wife's the same way too. I know, like, you know, I see her just doing things around the house and listening to something, and it's just it's something that I'm I'm actually going to try to actively switch back to because I had gone for probably a couple. Actually, I think probably since the pandemic, I had switched away from podcast to just music because I was running a lot outside. And when I was traveling, well, yeah, when we started to go back to traveling or just driving around or what have you, I was just kind of always dialed into music and I need to get back to podcasts and stuff like that. Cause uh, it's been, it's been a little while. So that's the best part about this. I gather so many good options and ideas from these episodes. So I will eventually compile a top 50 list. Great recommendations. Thank you. They, they make great company on your runs. That's really all I listen to when I go on a run. It makes the run much shorter. Yeah, that is true. You're absolutely right. Well, I know I know you, but our audience doesn't. So please, I want to hear all about you. So tell us your story because we go way back to you. I think at the time when we first met, were you you were still working at the the chamber? Is that right? Yes. I think so. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that was probably like over 10 years ago. Um, I was working at the Greater Washington Hispanic Chamber. Yeah, we go way back. We do. So a little bit about myself. Um, I'm originally from Cartagena, Colombia, um, and I immigrated to the to the States over 20 years ago. Now I've lived more than half of my life in the States than in my home country. So to me, that just thinking of that is um, shocking to this day. Um, I have a very diverse professional background. 
Like I, I've done marketing and communications, primarily working with small businesses and doing public health campaigns for PR agencies. A lot of them are um, multicultural audience-based campaigns. And my business partner, Maritza Lisama, and I founded Captiva Branding during the pandemic in March of 2021 with the mission to humanize brands. So those are that, that's a, like a, a very broad overview of who I am. I know we're going to dig in a little bit more. I love that. I love that. And yeah, um, I mean, you and Maritza do a fabulous job of your own story. You can you can decide if you want this personally or professionally. But what's what's the most special part of your story that that you think stands out the most to you? So I came to this country by myself on a scholarship right after 9-11, a moment when Colombia was in pure chaos, like socioeconomically, it was really doing bad, searching as most immigrants, searching for a better future. I was actually one of three Latinas in our school. I went to a school, um, smaller school in Petersburg, Virginia. So that was a culture shock for me. As you know, I had always lived in a homogeneous country. So I didn't really even like know how special it was to be a Latina at the time. In fact, at that time, like all I wanted to do was fit in, you know, with, with, with African-Americans, with whites, with Asians, like whoever I found, I just wanted to fit in because I was different. So after that, like I, I did a lot of different jobs throughout my lifetime before I started like my professional career. You know, I, I did like pizza delivery, worked at shitty restaurants did retail. I worked at a printer and a call center at a time, but they all taught me, you know, they all taught me something. And some of the things that those jobs taught me is first be authentic, focus on relationships and not transactions, follow up with people, listen, observe, invest in getting to know yourself and surround yourself with people who want to see you grow. And the best part of all is being a Latina. Because I bring my own experiences, empathy, and perspective to all the work that we do. And, you know, what stands out the most from that is that today at 40 years old, um, I turned 40 this year, um, I'm an entrepreneur. And even though I never saw myself as one, I'm so proud of Maritza and I to be at this stage in our lives, growing our business, getting to know our audiences, and, you know, just evolving um, our brand. I love that. Yeah. And, and having been able to see you on, on a good portion of this journey, it's, it's been just really fun to watch and exciting. And uh, to see you stepping into something that I think the two of you are just perfect for. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, I it's mean, you, you met me when I was a baby. <laughs> I, I know. Likewise. Oh, man. We, we, don't, we don't have that kind of time to share those stories, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So Captiva, you know, Branding, and I, and I love how you said it, you know, making it human and kind of focusing on the story, because I think, and I don't, I don't want to steal too much of your thunder, but, uh, you know, in what we do in our, in our marketplace, uh, at, our, at our company, we work with a lot of associations, and it's really interesting because associations literally are little windows into industry across the landscape of America. And so it's a fascinating, you know, daily interaction with with our clients, just kind of seeing like, how are they representing an industry or how is an industry representing itself and, and to see, you know, what component of branding, storytelling and, and engagement is happening or not happening. So at a high level, and, and weave this into kind of how you and Maritza, you know, 
have, have charted out Captiva, but but what would you say branding is in the marketplace? What how do you define branding? Yeah, so I'll give full credit to one of our favorite definitions out there by Marty uh, Neumer. Um, he's, he, he, his definition says, a brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or organization. It's the, it's the first thing people think of or feel when they see your logo. So based on that definition from Marty Neumer, that really just sums it up on what branding is. You want people to whenever you're not in the room, what will people say about you? What you stand for? What are your values? What's your personality? What's your brand tone? So, you know, branding obviously involves several elements. There are some visual and there are some verbal elements to it, but you need to focus on what's that feeling you want people to feel whenever they see your logo. So I love how you walk through that. And, and the things that stand out to me the most are A, the emotional component. Because I think, you know, I, to, to the degree that we can recognize that there's an emotional connection to just about anything that we're, we're interacting with, but especially as we're trying to represent ourselves organizationally, tying into not just this is what like, we do, like you were saying, but this is who we are, what we stand for. So I love that. And, and I also, the you know, the, the words that come to mind in what you were describing is kind of, you said it, it's kind of the story. Like, it's not just a, a logo and a product. Like it's a compelling interactive experience. I think if it's done well. A hundred percent. I mean, you see brands like Nike, like Apple, right? They stand for something bigger than just their logo, right? Like when you see their logo, like you buy from them because to you, obviously you're getting value out of whatever the product is, but you also stand behind what they stand for. And I think that that's something that a lot of companies don't really think about. It's, it's all part of humanizing your brand. Like, what's your digital persona, right? Like, if your brand were a person, how would it speak? You know, what would it talk about? How would it define what you do? What value you give to your customers? So that that whole process of branding is a part. It's a process that we love to to work with um, with companies to help them articulate what their brand stands for. You know, I love that. So let's let's pull on this thread a little bit more because a lot of times I know when I've had these conversations, people think it's like too high level and heady. So what are some of these elements to a brand? You know, as you kind of start to say, all right, you know, we're going to get this big picture, but these are some of these components or these intersecting elements that help kind of make up what we're talking about. Yeah. So, so for example, when we do a brand strategy, we always take a look at who your target audience is. So we go really in detail. We do a lot of research to see what are your target audience demographics, psychographic behaviors, which channels are they in? Then we move into their brand purpose, obviously for associations and nonprofits, which I know is your audience. We focus more on that mission and vision, right? On like, why, why, why are they in business besides making money? And being able to articulate that succinctly. Most organizations, they go into paragraphs in the mission statement, but how can you succinctly in 30 words or less articulate what your mission or vision is? Then we move into your, your, your brand voice, which is your personality, the tone on how you speak to your audience. Is it conversational? Is it informal? We then do a competitive analysis as well, looking into your competitors. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be your um, unique competitors, but people in the marketplace that you would 
I guess, I guess potentially um, compete with. We do a, a, that competitor analysis really tells us what opportunities are there for your brand on how to stand out and, and, and helps us articulate your unique value proposition. And we also do your tagline. We do, we help you do an elevator pitch as well, because it, it's hard for people to articulate what they do succinctly, you know, like the elevator pitch. We, we always, you know, talk about that because a lot of people go, they just go around round and round trying to explain what they do instead of just like starting with like your audience pain points. Like what are those audience pain points that you provide a solution for that are relatable to people that you, that, that, that you're connecting with? I love that. And I want to, I want to actually connect on two things that have come up in conversations that I've had recently in the association and nonprofit space that I think are really interesting. I had a conversation with an HR specialist and, you know, we were talking about just kind of best practices in hiring and, you know, what's going on in the talent marketplace. And she really said, you know, your brand matters when it comes to hiring. Like, you know, that's a big thing to attract somebody to work for you, which was interesting because, you know, while that makes sense to me intuitively, I don't know that I'd ever really thought about that just in, in that literal particular projectable role. And that was fascinating. And so, you know, I think that if we consider not just that market positioning, but kind of how all encompassing do you think a brand can really be in terms of organizational culture and experience and all that other stuff? You know, have you seen organizations try to represent themselves one way in the marketplace, but maybe struggle internally to, to kind of back up that positioning? Uh, yes, a hundred percent. Especially in this marketplace right now, where it's so high, it's so, so difficult to hire quality employees. Um, a lot of people are focusing on their employee employer brands. On what is again talking about value because you're not just giving value to your the people you want to sell to. You're giving value also to the employees in telling them why your what why your your culture matters and why would you want why would they want to be part of that culture and we're we're hearing right now all this talks about dei and inclusion and i think that a lot of organizations are actually not doing it well they want to make people believe that they're just checking their boxes on dei but they're not really putting it into practice internally and that is a key issue for a lot of like the new generations, right? Where they want to be part of a company that matters, that their values align with them. And they're willing to go somewhere else where where, where they align with. So yeah, it, a lot of people are struggling with that right now. Yeah, I definitely have seen that, heard that. And I think also that connects back to what you were saying about the humanization component of a brand. You know, any organization, regardless of what you do, whether you sell a product, whether you deliver a service, whether you're a membership, nonprofit, for-profit, at the end of the day, your people probably are always, or at least in my opinion, should be the biggest part of that story, that compelling value prop in the marketplace, right? So if if you know, you want people to respond a certain way and, and maybe the way that, you know, your culture, the way that you treat your people doesn't really line up with that. That's going to be a, a challenge no matter what you're trying to do and no matter how you market yourself. To add to that, I think that, 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 that that's why it's so important to do a brand strategy because it gives you a lot of clarity on who you are for and who you're not for. And when you have that clarity, it actually speed up your whole process on reaching your audience. Yeah, I, I, that is that is so critical. Because you're right. I think that that you know, it's it. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to get into a mindset of of marketing, of external, of 
you know, kind of zoom in on this is what we're trying to do and who we're trying to do it for, with, or to. But yeah, you know, stepping back, getting a strategy and seeing things holistically definitely empowers you for success. And, you know, you've had, you and Marita both have had a background and a lot of work in kind of the media and PR space. So I want to, I want to kind of get into that component, right? So let's, let's say for the sake of our fast forward, we've done a good brand, we've gotten a good strategy. How does that now intersect with marketing, media, PR, and kind of now connecting it out to the to the marketplace at large? Yeah. So today, you know, marketing, advertising, and PR are interconnected. Like a lot of agencies, they actually do all three. There are some who just focus on the marketing and advertising space, and then the other ones just focus on the PR component. But you need to know holistically what they all do in order to promote a product. So the way, you know, um, we see it is marketing is like the overall, like the umbrella, right? The, the terms that that boost um, public awareness of a service, a product, or a person. Advertising and PR are tactics under marketing that help you achieve those goals. One, advertising persuades a public to buy the service or product. And the other one, PR, gets you in front of media, um, which is also called um, earned media because it's considered free publicity, even though you're paying to, to, to get pitched to the media. Um, so, you know, it doesn't mean that every business will need all three. It really comes down to where your audience is and what your goals as a brand are. And obviously your budget, right? Because like, if you have a, a big budget, then by all means, all three will work. But if you don't, then you need to see where you should be focusing on. And, you know, I find it it's always interesting when I when I kind of look at things that stand out to me in the marketplace, whether it's something that I see on Facebook, on television or here, you know, there's a lot of stuff out. There's plenty of content. We're in a in a digital landscape. So there's a lot of stuff that, you know, can can capture our attention or is at least trying to. And so, you know. I guess in such a busy place, what are some of the things that you think help someone to stand out as a differentiator that you've seen that have been effective? The number one is, of course, like being authentic to your brand and being human. I think that those two are two big components of your brand. You can't fake being someone else, you know, and, and I think the perfect example for that is just what Bud, White, Bud, Bud Light just went through. But like they they had um, they wanted to be part of Pride Month and had a transgender person as part of their campaign and their audience didn't like that. It's not what their audience thinks they stand for, and it actually like their sales just went 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 down substantially to the point that now a Mexican beer is leading the beer market in the U.S. So to to that example, it's about being authentic and being human at the same time, how you speak to your audiences and the value, it's always, always, always lead with value. What value are you giving to your audience? That was a very interesting example. And I and I also think, you know, that the point that keeps coming back, right? The more human you are, and I do think that I notice those, right? You know, whether it's a marketing campaign, an advertisement, something that's that is is telling a story about life, not really about this thing, you know, or this product or this that, but something where you're like, wow, that's it has a resonance that goes from your head to your heart and covers both mm-hmm. sides of the spectrum. I remember this, and I don't know if you recall this, so I think it was whenever the last time we had an Olympics, but Toyota was one of the headline sponsors. I think it was the Winter Olympics. And I watched their entire advertising campaign throughout the Olympics. Not one advertising, at least at least in the uh, on television, was about 
their cars. It was all about all of the the cool robotic stuff that they're doing to work with Paralympic people, the and 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 sharing stories about athletes and what they had had to overcome, and it was fantastic. I just I I I literally thoroughly enjoyed watching their commercials, listening to these stories. It was just like you know some of them you got you got teary eyed. There was one of a you know a swimmer who was kind of an orphan and people literally just wrote her off said she was never going to be anything and I mean, just stuff where you're just like oh my gosh like this is hitting me on a on a deeper human level but they didn't say anything about here here's our toyota tribe or tacoma or anything and they didn't have to and i have to imagine that was remarkably intentional because i'm sure those advertising spots as a main you know olympic sponsor was not cheap but i bet it did a lot for their brand yes and and that's a great example and it's part of like how we do marketing because we follow the story brand again donald miller his his um, framework that talks about making your customer the hero of the story right and when i when we when i talk about humanizing your brand it's not just about talking like in conversational mode or you know, but it's making the customer the hero of your story, meaning that, you know, when you go on your website, it's not about you. It's really about your customer. How are you making him the hero of that story? Do you know what their pain points are? How are your products going to be creating a solution for them? Our campaigns and our marketing um, um, approach is very human or audience centered. That's great. And I, I'm, I'm writing so much stuff down from what you're saying, because this is just, I, I love all of this. I want to ask two questions and I'm going to, I'm going to go out of reverse order. What are some common mistakes that you see get made in this space? And I'm sure that that list probably is pretty long, but but ones that you think would be really helpful for people to be aware of that either a mistake in the branding process, marketing, communication, or kind of all of the above. What are some of the things that you see trip people up the most frequently? Yeah, it's not having a strategy, right? And doing the spray and pray approach, you know, where you just put stuff out there and just pray that it's fixed. <laughs> And people notice that, right? Because there's no cohesiveness. There's no brand alignment, you know, meaning that you might be someone on Instagram and you might be someone completely different on Facebook and then someone completely different on LinkedIn. Even though you have different audience on all of those different platforms, there needs to be cohesiveness um, within that. So, you know, having a strategy that guides you and, and not just you know, wanting to do everything that there is out there in the marketplace, because a lot of like smaller businesses, for example, we don't have the bandwidth, we don't have the budget to do any of that. But, but and even associations and nonprofits, right? Like none of them have the bandwidth or the money to be just on every single channel out there. But you really need to know your audience of where they are and where you can provide the most value to them. Where can you reach them? We see a lot of organizations nowadays that they are just like, yeah, you know, for the social SEO component, you need to be on every single platform and just put the same message on every single platform. And what we're seeing now, yes, it's all about how fast you can create content, but people are looking for personalized content, right? That the, the, the audience that you have on LinkedIn is not going to be the same audience that you have on Instagram. You know, people go on each platform for a different motive or a different goal right and you need to make sure that you know what that goal is you know be clear about what your content pillars are 
um, what are you going to be talking about that, again, it's going to be of value to that specific audience. Um, and again, you know, and I can never um, say this too many times, it's just also going on that robot mod mode and not speaking human when you go online, you know, making it about yourself, not making it about the audience. I mean, you hit so many good points. And I, and I think that's definitely things that I know I've seen. I mean, frankly, things that we've tried to do ourselves in our own company, you know, trying to move away from spray and pray. And I think, you know, just as a point of encouragement, I know you and I have talked about this and I've talked to several other people uh, in, in general, like, you know, we're in a digital marketplace where the good news is you don't have to be everywhere. You can actually be just right in front of the right people saying the things that you want to say. And you, you can zoom in much more effectively today than you ever have been able to you probably in human history, right? Because, you know, the, that's the nature of the personal mediums that we have. And, you know, whether it's social media or just, you know, all the ways the digital landscape allows you to do what you were talking about, you know, get right in front of just the people that you think you want to resonate with the most. So hopefully that's an encouraging thing when you start to work with people so they can move away from, I got to be everywhere and be visible across all these channels especially if that doesn't make sense. I'm sure that that can really encourage people to, to be more strategic. Yeah, and, and it also takes a lot of the pressure off because we're living in this world where you think you need to be everywhere. But I feel that um, a, a lot of people are deterring from that because people are overwhelmed and you know, like with so much content out there, like you see people unfollowing organizations and companies and stuff like that that they don't want to listen to anymore because they first they don't align with with that brand or they're just tired of receiving so many emails from that or I, I was listening to a podcast actually this morning about brands that are like emailing people one or two and three times during a day right and you would think like my goodness i personally would unsubscribe for that from that um company but at the same time a lot of people don't care about that because they still want to hear from that brand and sometimes you do need to email people one to two, three times a day in order to them to get to open at least one. But anyway, but it all depends on what, again, your strategy is, what your audience wants. And I think that it's also important to monitor and adjust and evolve your, your brand. You know, not just you, you need to look at your numbers, like what are people clicking on when they go on your website? Who is going on your website as well as on social media? Monitoring um, and tracking that is so important for people. A lot of people don't really pay attention to that, but that is really what's telling you what people are interested in and what they're not interested in. Absolutely. So why should an association or a membership organization in particular care about their brand? So something that we've seen happens frequently with associations and nonprofits is that first, they don't invest in their brand because they, they fear that if they do, their audience is going to think that they're spending too much money that they don't really need that money, right? And it's the complete opposite. Like they're getting this 100% wrong. People invest in organizations where they see value, that they look legit, that have a good website user experience because you're making it easy for them to become a member or to donate, where you're showcasing what you're doing and how you're adding value to your customers. So investing in your brand today is critical. There is so much competition out there and you need to figure out how you can stand out. I love that. I think that that's a, that's, that's a pretty good place to land. I know uh, we could probably talk about this for another three hours and I don't think any of, of my listeners would appreciate that. So thank you, Pamela. This has been fantastic. Any kind of final shout outs that you want to make? 
I know Maritza's not here, so obviously we want to give her a shout, of course. Yes, she's my my first shout out because she's my better half. <laughs> Um, and, and I mean, I, I think that my other shout out is to my husband. He is, he has been such a big, a big component of, um, me being an entrepreneur. He was the one who motivated Maritza and I to create Captiva. And, you know, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur the way he saw it. Obviously he saw something in me and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can do it. It's too much pressure, too much stress. But I, I do want to, he, he, you know, I, I love him and I thank him for, for being my rock and my, my support system. And also to um, a few of my friends who, again, as I said earlier, like surrounding yourself with people like you, Brian, um, who want to see, you know, us grow. To me, that's so important. So thank you so much for having me in this podcast and for being such a great friend for always staying in touch and just being there. So Oh, you bet. No, it's 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 been a wonderful journey and uh your husband's fantastic and uh yeah, I get the privilege of watching amazing stories evolve and that's what your story continues to do. So, what's the best place for people to find you and contact you? Yeah, so we have a weekly newsletter. Um, it's the best way to stay in touch with us. We, we're on most of the social media platforms on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, but where you can actually like learn a lot about the work that we do and actually just follow our um, our motherhood and entrepreneurship journey. Um, it, it, we, we have a weekly newsletter called The Flamingo 60. So go on to our website, cativabranding.com and sign up for that. It is a fun um, newsletter that you can read in under 60 seconds. Yes, it is. I, I signed up. I enjoy it. It's one of the few that I that I do consistently look for and read and enjoy. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Well, thanks for being on the show. And uh, we'll, we'll have to set another time. I'm sure we can we can do probably a, a corresponding follow up to this at some point in the future. For sure. Would love that. Awesome. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Heaney is a registered representative and an investment advisory representative of Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC. Dempsey Lord Smith LLC is not affiliated with the Haney Company. Securities offered through Dempsey Lord Smith LLC, Membra, Finra, Sipic. Advisory services offered through Dempsey Lord Smith LLC, a U.S. SEC registered investment advisor.